0: Hey, everyone. We are back for another week of exciting rehearsals. This week, we have an incredible interview for Black History Month with the incredible Terry Sanders. We are also joined by our friends at the Meet the Bus podcast. We will also find out what made Steven say.
1: This is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I've never heard of this before, Jackie. What? Where? Who told you you should call them this?
2: <laughs> and why Brish said... It's like nails on a chalkboard when they're like, uh, okay, rifles, we're going to do drop spins. I'm like, no. No, you're not no, a no, spins. no. They're not drop, drop spins, spins. are
0: all this and more. So get out on the field, and we will see you back on the sidelines for this week's episode of On a Water Break. Head off
2: the
1: mat and go. Welcome to On a Water Break. The podcast where we talk everything marching arts.
0: Everyone, bring it in. It's time for a water break. Welcome, 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 welcome to another episode of season two of On a Water Break, the podcast where we talk about everything that you and your friends are talking about at rehearsal on a water break. I'm Jackie Brown. This week, we have another action packed episode. It seems like each week we have more and more guests that want to join us. So, Come on, let's go! We are working on shows for the rest of Black History Month, as well as starting on shows for Women's History Month. Guys, we have been doing some interviews already for that. Excited to see it going in March. This week, our host Woody has an interview with the amazing Terry Sanders, who has taught DCI, WC, WGI, (laughs) HBCU, and so many more types of groups out there. Uh, We also have a guest. Host joining us this week from the new Marching Band podcast, or I should say Marching Arts related podcast, Meet the Bus. But first, let's see who's on the sidelines this week. Hey, Steven.
1: Hey, Jackie. How you doing? I feel like it's been a little while since we've both been on here at the same time. We've uh, been grinding out some episodes, but uh, I'm excited. We got some podcast collaboration going here. Got some other hosts around. It's going to be a good one.
0: I was Oh, super excited to hear the episode you hosted last week you did an awesome job with that
1: yeah thank you it's pretty crazy <laughs> i can't believe the like types of guests that we get to have on the show nowadays it's like blows my mind at least I- i'm just so happy we get to bring these types of uh, interviews to life and it uh, seems like many of you guys out there listening might agree. We have a little bit of a growing uh, base of listeners now.
0: Yes, yeah, we those views have or those views, they're not views, they're listens, whatever they are. They have been racking up like crazy. And I'm just like, I'm just like, oh, these are these are some nice numbers we're seeing here. <laughs> Trish, how is the Wildwood adventure you were complaining about last week?
2: Still status quo. I'll have more information on Sunday. Um, once I meet with these kids and see, you know, there's been, there's been sort of spurts on the Venmo calendar donations. So let's see what they bring in on Sunday and see if it's something we can even do. Like, so if, if they fulfill their commitment and we get enough money, then I guess we still sit and wait on the, on the waiting list, but at least it's more of a potential, but I have a plan B.
0: Well, you can always text me and spill the tea whenever you feel like it, oh, if it happens sure. on like, on like a, a day we're not recording.
2: <laughs> yeah, I
0: will. No worries. <laughs> all right. So our guest host this week, I'm so excited to meet him. He is from the Meet the Bus podcast. So if you haven't listened to that yet, head on over. It's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of those great places Uh, is Jeffrey, and I'm so sorry, I did not think to ask how you pronounce your last name before we started, but is it Rekus?
3: Yes, that's right. Rekus. First time. First time. (laughs) Clap it up. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited to be here. Thank you guys for having me on. I mean, like, I, my mouth dropped when the opening music happened. I was like, I feel like I'm actually on a show here. <laughs> like you for me on a show, Isn't amazing? <laughs> like, like, for me, it's so funny because like my podcast, it's just like, hey, like I'm gonna press record right now, and then we're just gonna keep having this conversation, and then I'm just gonna do my intro, and we're gonna go from here. So like seeing the whole rundown, the music, and everything, I'm like, oh my god, I need to like, I need to shut up. <laughs> just like, so it's right like we're here. professionals. Oh my gosh, yeah, I don't even know. This is a way more professional setup than what I got going on. So for me, I'm just like, sit back, just let them do their thing. I love it. I love to see it, though. I'm glad to be here today. I'm really excited to be on the podcast. I love it.
1: Well, we're very happy that you're here with us today as well. Um, How we always introduce our guests on this show, it's a a bit that we call Your Life Story in 32 Counts. It's going to give you about 30 seconds to catch our entire listener base up to speed on everything there is to know about you. think you can do that for us. 30 seconds. Yeah, 30 seconds.
3: I will do my best. (laughs) All right, here we go. So I am from Boston, Massachusetts originally. Parents moved to St. Louis, Missouri. From there, went to Middle Tennessee State University for college. Marched Oregon Crusaders for three years, 16 to 18. Marched Blue Knights, 19. Um, Right now, currently living in Nashville, Tennessee. Started this podcast in September. That's going great. Uh, What else? I am a trumpet player. I make my own music. I do this podcast. And then... Um... That's gotta be 30 seconds. Nope. I think that's gotta be it, that might be. It. That should to be, I side. think that's 30 seconds. It's still clicking, nope. um. And yeah, I really like the I
1: forgot to mention to you, it's beaten in too. That oh, been I heard the detail. mech go off and my, my whole
3: instinct. He Yep. Band The band kid instinct in me when I hear the mech go off is automatically just like, that. Like, oh, what am I doing?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right now, that doesn't go away. I like that—that that little yeah. like adrenaline rush you get when you hear that met start going up. It never goes. I've been out of DCI for a very long time,
3: and it's just not going <laughs> no away. <laughs> well, that's hilarious! Like as soon as it like started, I was like, heart beats up. Here we go. <laughs> wow.
0: So tell us, tell us about your podcast. What's what's kind of your mission with the Meet the Bus podcast? What's your guys's premise?
3: So overall, what I. For me why i started the podcast was back in august the day after finals on sunday you know i watch finals i support all my friends on saturday unfortunately i didn't get to go i had to watch from home which is you know sad i couldn't be there but i um, looking to go back this year uh, my parents actually just moved like 20 minutes down the street from lucas oil so i'm hoping that i get the opportunity to go see the activity again because it's it's been since 2019 uh, since I've had, which was the last time I performed there. That's the last time I was there. So trying to get back out there. But when the day after finals for me, um, I was watching this podcast. I also watch, I'm a big sports guy. That's my big thing too. And like, for me, I grew up playing sports. And then it like, when I went into the band world, I always found ways that they were similar to me. And I always found the ways that they could just line up. And, um, I, Sunday morning, I was watching this podcast I really like. It's the Pivot Podcast. It has Fred Jackson. It has uh, Ryan Clark, who's on ESPN, and Channing. I forgot his last name. But these three guys, they all talk about football. They bring all these different athletes on, and they want to know their story. Not so much, like... There's podcasts out there for sports. There's a million sports podcasts, and they all want to talk about, you know, the game and whatever, but this this podcast in particular wanted to talk about the people's story and how their experience was in whatever sport they were in, and their upbringing, and all of this other stuff, and getting more personal with them, not just, you know, knowing the athlete. So for me, I'm sitting there, and this podcast comes on, and it's the episode with, like, The Rock, and I'm just starting to listen And I hear them all talking about like, yes, we understand, even though we've all had our own professions, we understand what this grind of like life is. And it's just, it's cool to hear all these different people who do different things, you know, like talk about their stories. And for me, I'm like, I started to look through drum core media in general. And I was like, is there anything like this where we're looking inside like the member experience, you know, like something that really locks into it because I saw there was a bunch of different outlets of media that just do their, their own things, which are great, but nothing I felt like that's like singled in on that member experience, you know? So for me, and at the time, that's, you know, that's what I saw. So at the time, like in the back of my head, I was just like, this feels like a no brainer. And I'm just like, for me, like when I was coming up in marching, like I would have loved to have something like this, like where it's like, we're meeting all these people who have marched my favorite shows. And I get to hear what it was like performing that show and what that summer was like. And then from there, it was kind of just like, for me, it was kind of just like, I really do appreciate what flow marching does in their media. But for me, I wanted to have a more relaxed space so that people could just be themselves. And it's not so much like we have the flow marching mic in front of you, like say something, you know, like professional, something like that, which is all great. And there's all, there's spaces for that everywhere. But for me, I wanted to have a relaxing environment where we can authentically talk about the activity that we all love and do. So that, for me, I was like, I want to see if I can create, like, can create this platform where we can talk about this activity, you know, everyone being themselves. And there were some things that I, I'm sorry if I'm going on a long rant, maybe that's the podcaster in me, but um I just feel so like passionate about it because for me, especially when I stopped marching and I kept seeing the Reddit threads and the Twitter threads, I guess now X threads, whatever. Um, but seeing threads of people I marched with or just people in general in the community be like, there's these glaring issues everywhere. And there's these glaring issues all over the activity. And these were issues that I experienced when I marched myself. And I was just wondering, what if there was a place where people could authentically go to talk about these things, that they truly feel, and it didn't have to just be hidden and thrown away in the Reddit threads and the Twitter threads or whatever, and people could actually speak on things that are happening. Now, of course, my podcast isn't all about, you know, let's throw some group or somebody in the gutter. It's not about that. But if there's something that people would like to speak on, I that's, that's what I created it for. So in a long-winded answer, yes. That's, that's It's about talking about the member experience in the activity like what was that like for you how did you see yourself grow all of these other things so yeah that's that's the story of the podcast yeah
1: i think that's pretty cool man i think it's good for there to be an open space for us to talk about stuff in this activity uh it can actually be a little difficult because normally everyone's so affiliated with an ensemble you don't necessarily want to or should speak on something's behalf um So it's kind of hard to have these like casual conversations, but I think it's good that we do. What would you say is something that uh, has been challenging for you as you get started?
3: Oh my goodness. Um, It's a lot more than I thought it would be going into it. I really did think that it would just be as simple as like, you know, asking people, well, I mean, that's a challenge in itself, not like just to get people on, but I mean like scheduling out in advance so that you stay Mm -hmm. on top of things and that you're not like, the biggest thing for me is like, I have two people that help me. Very, very helpful. Shout out to Grant Langston who does my thumbnails and shout out to Eric Booth who does the editing for my videos. I could not do this without both of them. I must say that on here. Absolutely. But that's another thing too, is having a group of people that help you out in this. Cause it's harder than I thought to do it by myself. Um, I really thought I could just like hop in and just, you know, ask some questions and whatnot. But um I think the biggest challenge overall in the beginning the biggest challenge was uh for me to stop doing what I'm doing now which is a lot of rambling (laughs) and like I would ramble forever but also like you know learning how to be a host learning how to sit back take your time to say things um challenge in that regard I think another thing too is like having no like backing of any sort on like being backed by like a company or being backed by whatever um and having that push on social media to get the word out there that you're doing something i think that has been another challenge as well because for me it's not so much about like numbers fame whatever it's more about like having these conversations and getting the word out there that these conversations are happening and i think that's that's probably been the biggest challenge so far is just like the conversations and everything themselves are so easy because it's something that we all love to do easy to talk about but getting the word out there i think has been the most difficult part for sure um
0: i'm gonna have to pause you right there because uh nicole welcome to the podcast (laughs) hey what's up I, i sure hope you have starbucks because uh you see what time it is I
4: do. And, um, I'll send you some cards to everyone. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that would definitely not go to waste. That would not go to waste.
4: Oh, so, so fun. Okay. What did
2: I miss? So, um, what was the biggest aha? Like what did you have that like aha moment when you felt like, okay, either this is really happening or, okay, we made it, I got the, this is it, we're good. What was that big moment for you?
3: Uh, the biggest one for me where I was like, oh my God, am I doing this? Was when <laughs> DCI announced uh, towards the end of September, and it was the first month that I had started the podcast. I started it September 3rd, I'm pretty sure. Something like that, very beginning of the month. And um, at the end of the month, I uh, was on LinkedIn. And I saw that DCI had posted that there was a new CEO and I was like, oh my God, I just started this podcast. Wouldn't it be something if I just sent a message? What the hell, right? Because I'm, I just started, I have nothing to lose. (laughs) So like, I mean, if I send something and he doesn't answer, I'm just a small fry. He didn't answer. That's okay. But he answered. And I wrote this whole thing out, this whole big paragraph and everything being like, hey, I run this podcast. I have just started, but I have these people planned to come on, you know, staff, members that I've marched with, all of these different things. Here's the idea of what I'm talking about in this podcast. I would love for you to come on and just kind of, once you get into the position, start doing the job and everything, it would be really great to talk to you and get, you know, your thoughts on the position. And when he responded back and said, hey, that sounds great. Shoot me an email. We'll set it up. I was like am I actually going to do this? Like, is this actually (laughs) happening right now? I was like, no way, right? Like, something's going to happen. He's going to, like, push it off or whatever. He's going to be like, ah, sorry. You know, let's keep rescheduling. That's totally what I thought. But we emailed back and forth forever, and we set it up, and when we finally did it... Oh, sorry about that. Oh! When we finally... Let me go do not disturb. How disrespectful of me. All right. Um, (laughs) But... I that's awful. I got to get better, guys. Okay, so basically when that got finalized. And he was like, yeah, I want to do this. And I got I got to do the interview with him the second week on the job for him. I was like, Mm. wow. And like, I also when we were talking and having the conversation, how like, nice he was and how like, when I had all these questions ready to go and the way that he was responding, I, 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 I hadn't talked to him on the phone or anything like that prior going in. So when we started talking, and I saw him responding the way he did and the conversation we were having and the things that we were talking about, I was like, Oh my God, I was like, this is like, I got up from the chair after I did the interview. I was like that we're We have to keep going with this. Like this yeah. is, we have to keep doing this. Yeah. now.' So for me, definitely that moment when we did that interview, I was like, okay, this is real. And we got to keep doing this.
0: Those genuine conversations are just so like, so powerful and like, like yeah. they're powerful when they happen. They are powerful when you listen to them later. And this actually leads me directly into our next uh, topic to ask you about because a recent segment came up on your podcast as well as it was up a little bit on some different social media sites that I see. Um, So the question was, are they called pull hits or (laughs) pull hits? Okay, I, I have my own opinions on this. And I don't agree I with none know. of y'all.
4: Ooh.
0: Um,
2: Absolute opinion. But <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know.
1: Look, I've never thought about this, but I'll make an opinion right now. Is this for anybody? I, I do know. I,
2: I, I, I
3: mean, I'll I put an stand opinion on
1: together. that. Together.
0: They're Cracker Jacks. <laughs>
1: Wait, what?
0: They are Cracker Jacks till the end of time. Pull hits. pull. No, Jackie. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> If for no other reason than because I hate the discussion, the debate on it. <laughs> so
2: you call them cracker
0: jacks? Yeah, that's what I learned them as. The first first pers- the first time somebody told me they were a pole head, I was like, "A what now?"
1: This is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I've never heard of this before, Jackie. What? Where? Who told
5: you you should call them
0: this? <laughs> because they're. Because it's not pole hit or pull hit. But,
5: no. <laughs> it's not how that
0: it's works. something
2: different.
0: <laughs> well, I just thought it would be a really nice time today to talk about not necessarily pull hits versus pole hits, um, but some of the other differences in vernacular that we have in our activity. Uh, mm. so like yeah. For those who are listening and can't actually like see the the shape of my mouth as i say these words pull hit is p u l l and pull hit is p o l e the difference being whether you pull <laughs> on the pole or or whatever <laughs> um but yeah <laughs> i yeah it's and i <laughs> My thing is just it's been everywhere like this is this one's been all over the place. It's so so common that the fact that it popped up in social media again. I, I don't know if it was because of your podcast. Did you guys decide to do that topic because of it popping up in social media
3: or was it the other way like did your i didn't even know it was popping up in social media honestly i just like asked around with my guard friends and i was like hey what's some like good because i'm a brass player like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go in here i (laughs) I know how to talk about guard so i was like hey guard friends like what's some good guard community questions that will like when i ask them like oh okay like did a little bit of homework so like i asked and one of them was just like oh my god Ask if it's a poll hit or a pull hit, and I was like, "Why?" And they're like, "That's like the, big 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 okay. That's okay. the pause, biggest. That's the biggest conversation starter."
5: I'm going to pull it all together. Hold on a minute, y'all. These things, these these things that we were discussing, were came about in my time frame of Color Guard. Okay, Trish, mm-hmm. am I right? Am I right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep.
5: And i and I'm and I'm and I'm not proclaiming this to be something some mountain that i'm proud to be standing atop but for the official record of all time period point blank i don't want to hear any more discussions about it it is a pull hit
2: yes yes Yes!
3: decided (laughs) decided
2: yes
4: yes yes
5: Uh-oh. Uh-oh. well let me let me describe it's because it's what you do with it yes which is
2: exactly pull and hit so you pull it apart <laughs> no. on the flagpole
0: and then your flat your hands hit it no 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 versus so what happened
5: is no 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 let me clear this up for you. I'm going to pull you all together. <laughs> this is this is this is grandpa going to pull you all together.
0: We, we to getting school, school now. Yes.
5: Oh. Because because what happened is the southerners got a hold of the pool. No. <laughs>
4: oh no he didn't yes he did or
5: the midwesterners or somebody outside of the northeast it
4: wasn't us. dust say- we were saying
0: cracker jacks I promise why? it wasn't the well, midwesterners
5: <laughs> Again, by the time why. it got to by the time it got to you in Missouri Jackie I mean who knows what it was called by like that I mean, <laughs> let's just be honest okay Jeremy uh, Jeremy
2: just won the pull hit party's nomination
0: yay
5: right <laughs> <laughs> like, and I give myself a, my own round of applause. So we can move oh on this discussion specifically because, definitively, it is pull with a P U L L.
3: Capital C. Period.
1: So that explains it. That explains so. all of it. Right. What explains Cracker Jack?
3: Yeah, wait. I'm still at a loss. Yeah. I don't know. Where did that come from? Can we get a description of how that came together, Cracker Jack? Where'd that come from? Good
2: question. Oh my <laughs>
0: <Wait. goodness>. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. No, you pull I, on the pole, it hits your hands and it, that's a Cracker Jack. Okay. So what about, what about, okay. This one, this one actually somebody suggested was um, uh, weapon spins versus drop spins. I actually oh, tell you what I learned from oh, this because I didn't learn I either of oh. those. <laughs> Oh, con- I learned them totally. as I uh, uh, I can't even think of the word now
4: Consecutives?
0: Consecutives, that's what I learned, yeah, Consecutives. Yeah, that's what I, learned.
4: Yeah. Okay. I don't know
0: I'm where my kids
2: get it from I don't know where my kids picked up on it from Not me But I want to It's like nails on a chalkboard When they're like uh, Okay rifles, we're going to do drop spins I'm like, no
4: Oh, you're not no, drop no, no, they're not drops. Drop are a
2: flag move,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: You know you do with a flag.
1: even I knew that.
0: Oh, See, and Steven even cool. knew, so you know, this is this is truth facts right here. Um, what about the Long Ranger? We hooked the Dr. Beat up to the Long Ranger, so we just called it Dr. Beat.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: We used to yeah. do one, I actually, this was a little weird. We would call it the Bach back in oh. high school. Uh, might be like a old East Coast type of thing, but they would say like Bach no Bach, and that would basically mean like eight and in off the Met. Is are have any of oh. you guys ever heard of something like that before? Or is that just Ooh. me?
0: Oh, we said something like that.
1: Yeah, it would be a drum major command, like Okay, we Rett's... said something
0: like that, but I don't I think it was referring to something else. They said Dut no Dut. Like if we were gonna dut off to start. This was like my first year marching drum corps, like 20 years ago. Yeah, so they they said "dut no dut" like as if are we gonna dut off or are we going to? And I think the it was the drummer saying, "Are we gonna dut or are we gonna like tap?"
1: Yeah, I see. Right.
0: Maybe I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Golly, it's
1: kind of like okay. a, i thought it was came from some old school East Coast people, like uh, before mm. they had the technology or we
0: we had metronomes. I am not that old.
1: <laughs> no, I see. <laughs>
7: <laughs> they have the speed.
3: Oh, <laughs> oh,
1: oh
7: boy.
0: All right, let's do our gush and go. Steven, since you wanna just keep going on about how old I am <laughs> You go first.
1: <laughs> yeah, just uh I mean I'm excited getting going with Indoor. Uh been good over at united we've just had our nose down to the grindstone just like working really really trying to uncover some new ground I always think that like cleaning it's a lot like this archaeological dig where you're finding what kind of cool what's beneath the surface there that you can you can unearth and polish and we're just working hard It's uh it's been a lot of fun
2: Trish um st- kind of the same boat as steven we're kind of in the midst of it right now um we have another competition on saturday at hillsborough high school and that's the high school team the independent team the one that's trying to go to wildwood has rehearsal on sunday and we'll see how all that shakes out but um you know made some pretty good changes tuesday night we'll see how they pan out this weekend A pretty good panel so excited we'll see we see how it goes Nicole, what do you want to gush and go on
0: about?
4: Oh, um, how every weekend this month I am in an airport going to a show. So (laughs) we're getting it. (laughs) And this was me trying to like schedule myself as like, oh, a weekend on and weekend off. Not for February. I can sleep when March comes around. (laughs) (laughs) but i'm excited to see like um each show that i'm doing is in a different circuit so i get to see how all the different classes will add up in those different circuits so i'm excited about it and lots of different sheets to read whoa buddy oh. whoa buddy and that's and, and the different classes in each uh circuit it's just like mm-hmm. Okay, um I know that we've moved on to um SAA.3. Am I on the A sheet or am I on the regional A sheet right now? Mm-hmm. Like. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um I've become really good friends with whoever the chief judge is. <laughs> do you think but that's you. something that
0: need- should it is that something we should standardize or do you like that like the different circuits are kind of adjustable for the different guards in the different areas
4: if it is okay i think if you have a large circuit then yes uh differentiating between the guards and their skill set yes because sometimes you have uh some circuits that don't have that many but we have all these different classes and like Mm -hmm. flag class and you know Mm -hmm. it's it it I don't know, I, I, you know, you have to go off of whatever sheet it is too. And some people have, some uh, circuits will have like a sheet for every class. And that's a lot.
2: That is that's a lot. A lot. Yeah.
4: But if honestly, if, if it could be maybe standardized a little bit, but I think everyone has, every circuit has a solid regional A. They have a solid sure. A. They have a solid open and they have a solid world. Now there's different things that come in between those, especially between uh, like regional A and scholastic A. You can have a plethora of classes between them. All right, Jeff,
0: Jeffrey, sorry. Can I call you Jeff?
3: Uh, either or. Everyone okay. calls me either or. So I, I take both. <laughs>
0: okay well you kind of see how our gush and goes work what would you like to gush and go on about for a minute or so
3: oh geez uh not a whole lot going on right now just trying to uh navigate the world 22 year old right now running a podcast uh (laughs) working a job trying to find some new ones um also just uh i'm recording my new episode tomorrow so we got that that'll be coming out next tuesday just had an episode come out with uh, Benjamin Smith Smith this past week. Uh, was on Leadership with Carolina Crown? Um, I'm not trying to plug myself. If you want to? <laughs> but um, we're all
0: about shameless self promotion. It's fine.
3: <laughs> but yeah, basically got that going on. Just working with the podcast right now. Working in life. Just trying to you know take every day in stride, and that's that's kind of all I got going on right now.
0: Um, I need to do a really quick gush because um a friend of mine and fellow judge Adam D Hill if you guys follow him on Instagram he is ADHD Beats he's a drummer over there and he is a part of the PAC drumline the pack drumline and they mm-hmm. are on America's Got Talent now I don't know exactly when in relation to the episode airing of the podcast versus the episode of America's Got Talent but they did make it into finals. So I want to give them a big shout out and say like, congrats guys. It's going to be so awesome. And hopefully we'll see you soon if we haven't already. Yeah, I know. I just keep waving my hands. I'm just that excited. Hey, it's
5: called gush and go, not gush and stay. Let's
0: go. All right, everybody head out there so we can get these stay in tunes ready for the basketball game. Uh, we will be back with the news after Woody interviews
4: Terry Sanders. Hey, this is Christine Reem.
1: and Chris Green.
4: Guard Closet was founded as a consignment business in 2000. Since then, it has grown to include winter guard, band, percussion, and other genres. We can
1: help you with custom flag and costuming designs.
4: Our consignment inventory has plenty of great looks for your color guard, drumline, and marching band.
3: Pay it forward. When you purchase consignment, you help other programs. Last year, we sold over 400 sets of consignments and returned over
1: $125,000 in payments to our consigners for their sales.
4: Additionally, Guard Closet offers custom and pre-designed costumes, flags, floors, and formal wear, full or partial show writing, educational programming, and other services.
1: Max out your rehearsal time and set up a microsite for
6: easy student ordering for shoes, gloves, and other equipment.
4: The Guard Closet team is here to help you get everything you want and need for your season. Check us out at guardcloset.com and follow us on social media.
7: Hey, everybody, this is uh, Woody. I'm glad to be back here on the sidelines of uh, on the water break. And today I'm on the sidelines with Terry Sanders. Yeah. Uh, So Terry, you know, uh, in 32 counts, can you give me a lifetime wrap up of who you are? Sounds good. Eight and in. Hello, my name
6: is Terry Sanders. I currently reside in Pensacola, Florida. I started my marching career in high school at Pensacola High School playing fourth bass drum. Then moved up to tenor snare my last two years. Went to school at Troy State University in Troy, Alabama. Marched snare all four years there where I was the center stick. Marched at Florida Wave Drum and Bugle Corps down in Miami, Florida in 1981 and taught there as well. I then turned my activities to WGI as I taught for 30. Plus years at Escambia High School, 22 of those doing WGI in every classification, Open A and World, making finals in every classification, winning numerous regionals, uh, never placing lower than third place at a regional for all those years. Uh, And now I'm into judging WGI. I'm also on the WGI Steering Committee and the Percussion Advisory Board now. I also serve on the DEI Committee for WGI. So it's been quite a ride. I'm thrilled to, to still be doing the activity. And that's about where I am right now.
7: That's cool. You know, what a small world. I did not know you marched the Wave.
6: Yes.
7: Ooh. I marched in Blackwatch. You were, ooh, man, we hated you guys. <laughs> oh, man. From the bottom. <laughs> that's cool to hear. So you, you wrapped up a lot of the, some of the questions we had on our list, but we could just jump right in. Right in the meat of things, man. Uh, yes. So, you obviously, you're into the music thing. Did you always intend to be in music or did, was it a hobby? Or- yeah, you know, I, I was locked in from the beginning. Uh, my mom, who went
6: to school at Tuskegee University, the only reason she did the same, become a soprano uh, operetta, opera singer, is because she got married. Uh, and uh, she was a phenomenal musician, piano player. She played for the church, and, of course, every time she went to church, I had to go to church. I sang in every choir, from junior choir to to mid-junior choir to, you know, the gospel choir. It was always in my blood. My dad was not a musician, but he managed a local facility here. It was like the, we call it the auditorium, but it was like a convention center or an arena, So I saw every artist that came through uh, free of charge, of course, because my dad was working. And I went backstage with everybody from James Brown to Ray Charles to uh, Little Richard, uh, the Doobie Brothers, uh, Earth, Wind and Fire. I saw all of the acts backstage. Later in life, as I got older, I was a spotlight operator at that same uh, 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 auditorium and I got to work for Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson doing spotlight operating as they practice their tour here in Pensacola. So yeah, music has just been always been a part of my life. Uh, and of course, our mother always played music as she forced us to clean up the house every weekend. So
7: it's something that I could not get away from. That's, that's, that's cool, man. Uh, we have music in my family like that also, but no, nowhere near as in depth as you. That, that's pretty cool. May would have sent me on a different path, also. So you know, this month is Black History Month, and we're trying to get some participation with that, and you know, and introduce the world to a little bit more to like the the HBCU world and things. And I know, you know, during the COVID was really cool because we got a chance to talk a lot and uh, big groups, and I got a chance to meet a lot of those people, and it was very interesting to me. So that's why when we talked about interviewing people, I said, I know, I need Terry Sanders, man. Tell me something about the HB HB thing.
6: That world is on fire. And and it always has been. And I think COVID helped to expose it even more uh, to the mainstream. It's sort of like, you know, we always say DCI is our subculture. But HBCU uh, music has really been in the mainstream for a while. I can remember when I was in high school, Florida A&M, FAMU, did a commercial for Welch's Grape Juice, uh, and that was probably the first exposure on national TV that the, the Marching 100 got. And all these years later, my nephew just marched four years for FAMU where he was the center stick. And uh, that, that activity has, has grown. That part of the music has really grown. It's so entertaining Uh, It's so mesmerizing to audiences. Uh, No one gets up at halftime at HBCU football game. But everybody wants to see the halftime show. It is what they pay for. And university presidents have long recognized that that is a major recruiter for their universities, whether the kids are in band or not. Uh, It's part of the pride of being a part of a HBCU band program. So, yeah, it is on fire. And you're right. During the pandemic, I had this kind of a Zoom, weekly Zoom meeting or monthly Zoom meeting where we talked percussionists from all walks of life. And we had quite a few HBCU directors on the Zoom calls. So one of the silver clouds to come out of that was the networking that we were all able to do and meet people. Uh, I still I'm saddened by the people that I didn't get to work with early on in my career when I needed someone to call who had that expertise that looked just like me. That made a big difference to me, knowing that all of these teachers and all of these resources were out there that I didn't know about. But uh, like I said, that's the silver cloud that came out of the uh, pandemic for me. And the HBCU um, experience is, is really booming right now, really booming.
7: Yeah, I, I I would agree I would agree with that. And you know, it's funny because up here, once you cross the Mason Dixon line, you yeah. know, like, it, it doesn't exist. So it's just really a mystery. And uh, you know, you being a part of both worlds was was very interesting to me. So I don't know. I've noticed, you know, since I've been paying attention, I feel like the uh, the crowds in the DC, in the DCI thing is not as big as the eight hbcu things why do you think that may be yeah. and it's you know it's the approach to the
6: the the entertainment portion whereas you know dci if, if you could play holst uh, or or Joukowsky and and be great at it and it's very entertaining to musicians like us because we know those charts or we've studied them or or we we know how to get access to them. The game, okay, they're gonna do uh, you know this chart that I I I studied in college. Whereas the HBCUs kind of dictate their shows for the mainstream to where if you play Beyonce, you're playing Beyonce. Everybody knows Beyonce. If you're playing Taylor Swift, everybody knows Taylor Swift. Now you may make <laughs> yes, they do. Yeah, you may more, make it more thematically to fit, let's say, a marching band show, but the hook for a Taylor Swift song is still the hook. You know, a hook for James Brown is still a hook that people know. So I think that's why, from an entertainment standpoint, in DCI, we're so concerned with, it's called intrinsic value, that we feel like Beethoven has more musical composition or weight to it than James Brown. And it really doesn't. It's based on how
7: you arrange it. I agree with that a thousand percent. You know, it's just hard for for a lot of people to put that together.
3: Yeah, and and
7: we just, we
6: will not get away from that it's gotta be classical music or it has to be, you know, this European style music. Uh, Whereas a core could come out and play some Afro-Cuban music and they're like, well, it's kind of repetitive. It's not as deep. You know, so we're not going to credit it. So people s- shy away from that.
7: So when you, uh, you, know, you know, now that you've been a part of both worlds, have you ever thought about mixing the two?
6: Yes, that fusion is, and has been done. The Velvet Knights did a great job with it. The Bridgman was one of my favorite cores. That's who I followed growing up, the Bridgman, uh, because they would play a mixture of music that was more appealing to me. You know, I love Phantom and I love classical music, but man, to me, the Bridgman, were it. So it has been done partially, but it's not a part of the mainstream for DCI.
7: I, I do notice, though, you know, when I watch, especially in the winter, some of the stylings are definitely bleeding into oh, the yeah. WGI world in a big way. How do you yeah. feel about that?
6: I think it's great. Because, and like I said, I, I grew up with such a, a smorgasbord of music for my palate that I don't have a favorite one. You know, I I don't be, I'm not like, I have to listen to R&B. No, I love, my brother was bringing home Grand Funk Railroad, Peter Frampton. He was bringing home Aerosmith because he grew up in the 70s. And, you know, rock right, right, right. and funk were almost identical. You know, it's like the Rolling Stones would take out black artists on tour with them because music was just fun. It was just great. But I can't say that that it's a bad thing. It's a great thing to me to have that much more exposure for kids
7: to music of any style. I think that's a big plus. So when you, uh, as you know, you know, DCI course, DCI style course, they put in a lot of hours for the cleanliness. Uh, is that about the same for the HBCU uh, programs? Yeah, I think the, the the art and the
6: love of the entertainment value of what you're doing, I think they put just as much time and much effort into their music presentation as they do at DCI. Now, of course, DCI, they tour, and you don't have any classes to go to You don't have a job to go to. It's in the summer. So you got an eight hour block for rehearsal. You got subsectionals. You know, you got ensemble. You got visual. You got to go do your laundry. You got to get back. Let's get on the bus. Let's go somewhere else. So the style is different. But as far as time is concerned, you know, if you ever watch the HBCU band, the choreography takes a while. You know, you may have kids that have grown up with parents who like me played music all the time. So I was forced to dance. If I didn't learn how to dance, there was no way I was ever getting the phone number from a girl. You know, I was not going to be courting anybody's daughter looking like Urkel. So that's
7: our, that's our, our, that's our age. That's our age thing. I hear you, bro.
6: Yeah. Our culture forced us to be, know how to dance. And I'm watching the Jacksons. I'm watching the Temptations. I'm watching the OJs. We're learning all their dance moves watching Soul Train every week. So to get those kind of kids into a HBCU program, they usually have some type of dance ability. So the transition of playing your trumpet and dancing at the same time, it's not that big of a deal. But the time it takes to perfect 22 trumpets to do all those same choreographed moves is just the same as it takes 22 guard members to learn you know, how to do their tendus and passe the same uh, to make it articulate and flowing and everything. It takes just as much time and just as much effort. And on top of that, people complain that the HBCUs play so loud. And, well, everybody has their different style. And, and I, I liken um, uh, Southern and FAMU. They both have different styles, whereas FAMU is more musical. They have more dynamic contrast, whereas Southern is just like, you're going to hear us on the moon. That's how loud we gonna play, and they're still very entertaining, both styles. So well, everybody can get I think in.
7: The raw energy is what it's about, right?
6: Man, oh man, it is. It is so raw. I took started taking my girls to uh, the Florida Classic, where Plant, Florida, A&M and and Bethune Cookman play like a, a bowl game every year down in Orlando, and we started going when they were like eight or nine. And they absolutely love it. We just went this past year. So it's a family tradition for us. My wife graduated from FAMU. My oldest daughter graduated from FAMU. My youngest daughter graduated from Alabama State University. And of course, I went to the PWI. You know, I went to Troy State. You know, I was chasing the core thing. But yeah, it's a big family thing for us to go to that game. And and for me to know all the instructors now. So I go down and talk to the percussion instructors at FAMU. And one of my best friends, Pedro Orre, who teaches at Bethune-Cookman, man, they get after it. Something serious, man. They drum. They drum. Uh, I was going to tell you about Norfolk State University just performed at PASIC this year. And it was the talk of the town. Let me tell you, North Carolina A&T is great. But, man, Norfolk, man, whoo. All the DCI cats were in there, and they were all with their jaws on the floor. So,
7: yeah. Because, hey, you know, when you watch them play, it's a different kind of physical. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. very different kind of physical, and I really dig it. So I'm going to shift gears on you here. Hey. I'm going to shift gears on. All right, so uh, what's your favorite style of music, man? Oh, man.
6: <laughs> like I said, I really don't have one. I tend to listen to probably a lot of 70s, 80s, 90s, R&B and rock. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I well, love
7: You, you want to move in, man? You want to move in my house? Because yeah, we can be then, brothers.
6: <laughs> on the flip side, I got, you know, I got uh, a lot of Earl Clue. I got the Crusaders. You know, I'm listening to Grover Washington Jr. It, it, it's really my mood. You know, if I'm in a jazz mood, And then my mom brought me up on the blues. She brought me up on B.B. King and Bobby Bland. And I'll listen to that. You know, I I love listening to uh, my last $2. Sometimes I feel like that. Or I want to go to a hole in the wall. It's a song about that. So it's just my mood of what I feel like listening to that day. And then, of course, being a church kid, having to go to church all the time, I listen to gospel. I love some Kirk Franklin, man. Love it. Oh, Kirk Franklin. Yeah, his arrangements are just woo. And man, we were just down in uh, Miami. This group called New Deco Ensemble out of Miami. It's an orchestra, and I was on TikTok in a wormhole, and this came up where they were playing "Spotify Dopelicious" by Outkast, and it was an orchestra. And I thought this has got to be like they somebody just did a mix put Spodioty Dope Lipshish and they're showing a picture of an orchestra. No, it's for real. Man, oh, these okay. two right play and the arrangements are phenomenal. I will send you a link later. You have got to listen to it. And they've done uh, they've done rock and roll, they've done uh R and B artists, they've done rappers, they've done everything, but it's all contemporary music. It's not they play some classical. So I was going down to see my daughter taking my wife and I saw they were having a concert. We went straight to it, man, straight to it. I had the best time in my
7: life. So music styles, everything. So you uh, you mentioned, you know, you talked about in the uh, 32-count life story, you know, about your whole career and you're deeply involved in the WGI thing. Are you a designer, composer, or just a tech?
6: Now, <laughs> I came. Well, up, yeah, I came up in the age where you didn't have these companies selling shows, so I didn't get to buy a show <laughs> and do it. Yeah, it was, right. It was me at the computer banging out notes on Sibelius. It was me with the drum pad. It was me at the piano picking out melodies, figuring out the chord structure for the double stops and the you know the the, the double laterals. It was me, man. So I'm lucky to have done it all. I was at a clinic one year at PASIC, and Paul Rennick was talking about that. He was saying, you know, the people who have grew up writing notes without a computer hear music totally different than people who've only grew up with Sibelius. Oh, my
7: goodness. I wish I I had somebody else to say that, because I I truly do believe that. The trial and error from writing
6: a battery lick and then giving it to the kids, you wrote it by pencil and then you hand it out to the kids and you realize that the tenor voicings that you wrote is way overbalanced because you spent too much time on drum three and four and you're covering up the lick and the top three bass drums are washing into drum four of the tenors. Now you got to rewrite that whole phrase, but that comes from your ears. On Sibelius, it sounds perfect. On Sibelius, she's like, man, this thing is rocking. But then you hand it out to the kids, and it gets on those acoustic instruments, and you're like, whoa, bass five can't play there. He's covering up everything. So, yeah, I am lucky to have been old school, transitional, and new school. But, yes, I, I wrote, arranged, and designed.
7: That's, that's cool. I, uh, again, you can move in my house. Yes. Um,
6: Which so is why you- I like which is why I really love being a part of design staffs now because I'm the guy, you know, get off my lawn. You kids get off my lawn. You know, I'm the guy on the staff that always saying that they'll come up with this great idea. And then I got 20 questions. Like, well, that idea shot down because I have so many, so many things like you can't do that. That's going to go wrong. That's going to go wrong. That's going to go wrong. And sometimes greatness happens from that because that's why I love collaborating because I will say an idea you will hear it and say, Terry, I don't think that's quite right. But if we did this off of your idea, and we're both like, yeah, that's the ticket. So that's where I... That's the way I like the design also. Yeah, instead of being scratched by myself, I love being on a team.
7: I'm with you on that. Like, uh, people always look to me for the show. I have great ideas, Mm -hmm. but I need to at least hear myself talk to terry mm-hmm. to know if i'm right or wrong i don't right. know if i'm right or wrong until actually i talk to terry and hear myself explain it and if it don't come out right oh wait a minute and then like you said then terry goes well but wait what if we and then it just starts to roll right people don't work like that too much right. anymore
6: and, and, and that's what i try to influence on younger designers and guys who are starting out in the activity now Find, find you a community that's an honest soundboard to you. Somebody, I, I had about five color guard and five percussion people that I would send my show ideas to, uniform ideas, everything, and let them send me feedback back. Like, hey, what do you think about this uniform? And the guard, my guard friends would always have, man, they'd come back with these wild uniforms, all the kind of stuff hanging out, the stuff that I know we can't march in. But the color wheel that they would use. Man, I'd be like, this is on point. And then I would send it to my percussion friends. They'd be like, you could do this, 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 and this.
7: You got to have a sounding board. I I am a... When it comes to indoor drumline, you know, when I when I first started doing drumline, as you know, my my thing, when I came to the WGI world, everyone was still in the pacing world. And mm-hmm. the first time I saw an indoor drumline, I was still teaching color guards. Mm -hmm. And when I started talking to people about, I don't want to move around on a stage. I want a drum line that moves like a color guard. Are you crazy? Now Mm -hmm. look. And I think the color guard people are the best people to talk to because drummers don't have that flair for the color and the pizzazz that way.
6: Well, they don't have limitation as to what you cannot do. You know, yes. I, I don't need them to be limited. I want them to tell me the world and let me yeah. shave it down to what let I you know. Let you shave
7: it down to what works, yes.
6: Day five can't do that plie like you want him to do, but he can do it this way. Uh, I Same. know that. But yeah, I loved, uh, man, my color guard friends, all of them, <laughs> they, they are the best. They are the best. And I love them to death for all that they contributed. And like I said, even on that call that we did in the pandemic, we had like three or four color guard people on there that I never got to work with. And I'm like, man, you are a genius. I could have worked with you. and, and My life could have been so much easier and better
7: had I known about you. Yes, yes, yes. So I'm gonna shift gears on you again. Okay. all right. Now, if you remember back in the Florida wave days and the black watch days, there wasn't too many brothers. Marching mm-hmm. in the DCI world. Mm-hmm. But now as you look around, you know, people of color are starting to join the activity. And uh obviously the judging world, the design world still hasn't picked up on that part. Mm-hmm. And what would you say to our young people of color? And the best way to the best things to get out of the activity, and if they should or would love to see them move further into it you know. where where we are.
6: The best thing, uh, I think, for them is to know what type of end game they have in mind. You know, is it a hobby or is it you trying to make your life around it, you trying to be serious with it? But the opportunities are there uh, for judging, for design, for, you know, core director. Whatever you want to do, it's there for the taking. But is that what you want to do? But if it is, there are people that have gone before you that have plenty of uh, outlook and insight to share with you. Uh, there are a lot of old school guys like we met Frank Williams, who taught with uh, Suncoach oh, Sainz. Yeah, I yeah. I didn't know about Frank. One of the best horn tech teachers in the world. Best jazz musician I've ever met, but I didn't know about him. I saw his name on the on the uh, staff list, but I didn't know Frank Williams was black, and
7: I didn't know oh, Frank. I, Williams was black. I, I I I knew him, so yeah,
6: yeah, I didn't. You I know, and, up
7: yeah,
6: to him. It, was, it wasn't until um, Alfred Watkins was about to retire at Lasseter High School that I knew he was black. Now that I didn't know. Thank yeah, you. see, we didn't have we don't have what they have now as far as social media. Uh, access to the internet, the ability to do FaceTime and whatnot. We didn't have that. So when I read tw- 10 names on Blue Devil staff, I just figured they was all white. <laughs> just say, I didn't same
7: them. here, man.
6: Same Ralph, here. Ralph Hardeman. Until I met him at a critique when he was judging my group. He sat down and he said, I'm Ralph Hardeman. I said, Ralph Hardeman from Santa Clara Vanguard. And for the next three minutes of my critique, all I talked about was Santa Clara Vanguard and Les Ginka and all the
7: years he spent with them. I didn't know he was black. I have to tell you, I, I didn't know until 1981, we were on tour and we stayed with Santa Clara and he was there. And that day actually is probably when I decided I wanted to be a writer, you know, just, just yeah. sitting and watching a guy, you, you know how it is, you know, and well, it's amazing. Man.
6: Because I sat there, you- sat there with my album because I had an album back there in '81 when they won, and I was putting that putting that needle back and forth trying to play them licks, man. And I was telling Ralph about Les Ginka the drum solo. He's like, "You want the copy
7: of it?" <laughs> no, he was so he was so giving that way, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 But and- yes, it's,
6: it's a lot of blacks that are marching right now. Uh, and and if they want to pursue that type of opportunity, it's there uh, for the taking.
7: I I I hope they do get involved. You know, yeah. it's funny. You know, here in our area, we get a, we usually get a lot of kids from New York City mm-hmm. in the in the local drum corps, and the staffs have a problem understanding the priorities of that kid.
6: Yeah.
7: yeah, even something right. as simple as. The kid goes, Well, no, I can't come on Sunday. Right. What, what do you mean you can't come on Sunday? Yeah. And I'm always like, whoa, whoa, time out. Yeah. <laughs> it don't work that way, right?
6: You know? And 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 that is where we are with a lot of things where you know, I look at my Facebook list of friends, and it's a smorgasbord of people. That that's me. I look at other people's Facebook. Like uh, let's say a white friend of mine sending me a friend request, and I look at the friends on his list, and there's nobody on there that looks like me on his friends list. I go through all two thousand of them, and I see like three black people. Well, that lets me know that he hadn't been exposed to my type of lifestyle, or if he's teaching, he hadn't been exposed to anybody that's had kids that are black. So as you say, he doesn't know how to talk or deal with sometimes. Situations that may be going on at home that he has no idea about,
7: well, uh, and, and you add that kid, the black kid from the city, joining the DCI experience, uh, and, and you know they can't understand when the parent, when the parent is like, how much? So, uh, yeah, how much? Or so you trying to tell me? On Friday night, my son's going to go to Massachusetts, and he's going to be back on Saturday. Where are you really going? You know, you yeah. don't believe it. So listen, man, we need to get ready to try to close it up. And I got one more question for you. I've been noticing also that there have been a lot more Caucasian people appearing in the HBCU things. I, yep. think, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I believe a lot of it has to do with the rap culture that has dominated the world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And just what's your thoughts on that? Just as a closing thing and anything positive you want to say to the people.
6: I think that's great, man. My nephew who's marching at fam, he marched right next to a a white kid in fam, you snare line. That's all over the place. Uh, drum majors everywhere. Trumpet players. I see them in every single band that I've seen this year. HBCU has white members. Uh, I, think I think that's it's great. Awesome. I think it's awesome. And and what a lot like I was talking about my white friend who has two thousand friends and three of them are black. Don't understand is that when you're the only white person in the room, you're more accepted sometimes than me. The love that they get for being brave enough to march in an HBCU band, if they got talent and they holding their weight, man, the love they get is more love than I would get because I'm just another brother trying to do his thing. But this guy, this guy has gone above and beyond and to be around us and feel comfortable, man, you in like Flynn. As they say, you definitely coming to the cookout. You definitely Definitely. coming to the cookout. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, yes, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And, and the lives of those individuals, man, their lives will be so much more enriched. You know, uh, if you don't add some flavor to your life, variety is the spice of life. And if you don't have some flavor in it, I just feel sorry for you. I love my Filipino friends, man, that lumpia they make. I love my Mexican friends. I go over to their house and eat, man. I am. Um, I just love the music. I don't understand nothing they're saying, but I just love the love that they give me. So, yes, I hope everybody would 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 want that type of experience.
7: So, if anyone wanted to reach out to you, contact you all, what's the best way for people to look you up before we get oh, out of here?
6: They can find me. Uh, my email is centersnare84, eight the numbers, at Gmail. centersnare84 at gmail.com. Or Instagram, I am uh, at Terry underscore Asa. Asa is my youngest nephew. Yeah, they can hit me
7: on Instagram. So man, this this was good. This was great. And uh, man, you wealth of information, my friend. Yeah, man. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, that's that years. years. Huh?
6: That's years. I tell everybody, it's not that
7: I'm smart; it's that experience. It's it's experience. No, that that is that is all to it. You know. How do you know? I just know. Don't, don't, don't worry about it. Because I already did that. I know it's going to happen. I can tell you three or four versions of that mistake that you're about to make. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's all right. So we got to get out of here. And uh, we're going to get off off our water break. And Snares, you're going to go set it up on the 50, because Terry's going to work with you. And back to you, Jackie.
0: Cole, you know Terry. What's a good story about him that you might want to share about?
4: Um, Terry is um, literally, we will say it uh, to each about each other. He's my brother from another mother and father. But <laughs> <laughs> when I first met Terry, um, he uh, and, and anybody that I can find as a mentor to me for judging, I will cling on to. Um, and Terry was one of the first people who would send me um, because I also do judging for percussion. So he would send me percussion videos and have me judge them and then give them a score. And then he would actually like show me like, this is the real score they got. This is how close you were, very good. And, you know, stuff like that. So he has a um, company that's called Light Check 1212. And so that's pretty much what that does. And so he was literally like one of my very first mentors. And then coming out of that... We both did um, our marching counts, which is an incentive for um, people of color who are in um, drum corps just to make sure that because like there's a lot of other things that I mean, some black people will need other than, you know, what we you know, when you go on tour. So just making sure that those outlets are there for them, those those safe ways are there for them. Um, And uh, Terry's one of those people for me um but and also too he's just like a, 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 he's a good human like and <laughs> you just don't i'm not saying you don't find those very much but when you do find those you need to cling on to them for and sure after i met him that's when i found out there was so many more people who knew who he was and so it was only it was just you know Basically, um, I felt justified with the way that our friendship blossomed, and everyone thinks the world of him. So I'm glad that he got the spotlight to have an interview on the podcast.
0: It was a great interview, too. I'm, I'm so glad we got to do that and got to talk to him. <laughs> All right, so we are going to start <laughs> a new segment this week. Uh, basically... I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to go off against something that might be bugging you in the marching arts. Um, We're workshopping a title still. Uh, Maybe we'll call it (laughs) hydrate this. (laughs) I I don't know. We can play with it. Right. We got some ideas. Uh, Maybe we'll call it something else. Uh, Can I get canceled? (laughs) I, I will not cancel you. Okay. Our listenership. Even if they want to, I'll be like, no, I'm keeping Nicole. She's staying here. (laughs) (laughs) We could call it what are we doing? Ooh.
4: I like like that
2: one. Like what are we doing
4: here? What are we (laughs) doing? Or how much is bread? There was a a little bit of no no one saying anything and I was like, and your age just showed all around. (laughs) Okay, so can I tell you that turned like we did we did how much are your
0: shoes? And we took our watches and tucked them into our shoes. Into our laces. So, how much are your shoes? And that was like our code. So, you know, does, I think does anybody I have, have one a, I
1: could jump off with?
0: Jump in I there, Steven.
1: I don't know if, how applicable it is in color guard world, but in drumline world, some people feel like in your final slot, you need to completely get rid of the metronome and you should not play any like checks. You shouldn't be doing anything like. They're like, okay, by this point in the season, you should be ready to just bust it down, just. Play it as it's written and just play it. Other other techs I've had have thought, like, we want to do the same thing and make it as easy as possible for you all year long. And I will play with the metronome blaring. I will have you play the easiest check possible, like, in the WGI arena parking lot. And if that's what makes you feel comfortable and that's what sets you up mm. for the best performance, that's my goal as the tech. I personally fall a little bit more on that latter uh, opinion, but I know more people of the former who want to show up and just they think you're it's this time of year. I'm supposed to be able to just do it. Where, what do you guys mm. think? I
7: mm,
1: guess the, I, the more boiled down question is, does the lot set you up for success for the show still when you get to that time of year? Or is the lot a performance that you're supposed to throw down?
4: I will jump in there and say... With both of those, I feel like the lot is the equivalent to when guards are warming up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I don't think, and when guards are going through warm up, and I've gone through warm up with like a world class guard, A class guard, and an open, um, you know, to keep it just the same. So you get that rhythm, you know, going through. Now, I have been in the finals lot for an IW percussion group when I was with Monarch. Mm-hmm. And, you feel you get the vibe off of the people that are doing it, you know, like um, Andre. I don't know if you all know him. His yeah, name's is Edwards. OK, he's, he's you know, great. big vibe guy, mm-hmm. huge vibe guy. And <laughs> I mean, it's just like and he'll be like, what's up? And, you know how you feel in all the notes. OK, do you want to take it with this or this? You know what I mean? Like he's very much he'll he's feeding off those performers now if those performers are a little bit hesitant yeah you keep that met but if they're like turn it off then let's go with it let's vibe with it Mm -hmm. so i think it just depends on what you're feeling at the moment and if your performers can take it
1: yeah like you're saying prioritize the vibe it's not it's maybe not that there's one right or wrong way to do it you should just be doing what your students want and what's going to make them feel the best i agree with that um yeah but what's someone else's hot take? I feel like mine was a little less controversial than I expected, <laughs> but that was, that was a good little
3: combo. What so, do you got?
2: so this weekend, um, and I again, I don't know if this is a regional thing, too. I don't know if y'all from different areas are going to be like, that's every week for us. This <laughs> week at the competition is a horizontal fold. And I don't know if you guys are mm. like and I don't know if you guys are like oh that's no big deal. And I completely support the host. We're going to do whatever they no, need don't. to do to keep the floor, you know, the floor going comfortable saying it. Horizontal folds are a pain. Mm. They really are because you have those seams all set.
3: <laughs> you know what? Like,
2: my I'll thing is I don't
0: I don't even care if it's horizontal or if it's vertical. I just want it to be the same for every show. Yeah. Like, like let's just make Yeah, it this, that, would, had be, that would be cool. would be have some years where horizontal is like the, like the floor, the way the floor works sometimes is like horizontal is really easy to fold because of the, way the seams are, because the, we have some floors that the seams yeah. are this way. And that's yeah. great. But like, having to switch back and forth and it's like oh is it gonna fit on the cart are we gonna be able to open it back up in the refolding area oh that's another thing i just learned this on social media recently talking to some of our followers there are contests there are circuits that do not require schools to or uh, show hosts to provide tarp refolding space after they perform
4: like what? what
0: do you, you just like they just like take their whole tarp. That's like a big jumbled mess that they fold mm-hmm. it up as fast as they possibly can, and they just shove it in the back of a minivan.
6: Yeah.
2: What is that? Yeah, that sounds like I most call of that my a marshmallow. <laughs> That is a panic attack <laughs> for me waiting to happen. I don't I'm like. Oh so, my god! How are we getting this marshmallow? But um, at, yeah. The the show competition we were at last week, they did. They did 10 minute breaks after every class so people could refold the floor. And we were on we were on second to last in our class and I said to the kids go sit in the back stands and right after our performance cuz you kind of it's it's a weird layout. You don't don't get out you don't really get out of the gym. I said and you get on that line quick so that floor gets refolded. But, yeah, this week does have a refolding area, so that's good. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. If they don't have it you don't get that floor refolded, that marshmallow is going in the back of somebody's truck, car, whatever. Oh my gosh.
4: You know, that's really true. When I marched Patriots, we did uh, Mid-York and Northeast Circuit, and, like, we have a truck. We had a truck. We just remembered, like, folding it really quick and then putting it on there. Now, and the other way about that, too, is, like, Midwest OIPA or, M- or MEPA, like, O3, back when Onyx, the whole O Foundation had those three guards, O3 uh, learned how to fold their floor in a hallway. And this is, Oof. like, a 50 by 70 floor. They folded it in a hallway. Oof. And I was like, okay, do we need? And I come back, and they've got it, like, fanned, and they're like, we're ready.
1: That's hardcore. I've never even heard of that.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's
1: rare that I something is still a first to me. That's something. <laughs> <I> thank
0: <laughs> you. Right. Know it all. Now that we know, what are we doing? <laughs> I don't know. I like that one. Ah, <laughs> that's,
3: that's
0: <fun. laughs> uh, so thank you. I think that was from Jeremy, from our our lovely producer. Um, it is time for the news, though. <laughs> All right, Jeffrey, I am going to put you on the spot as our guest clinician today. What story have you brought for us to Let's share? Let's
3: do it. I'm excited. I'm very excited. I'm excited for this organization I'm about to talk about right now. Uh, there's a lot of changes up top and just overall in this organization. I'm a very I'm very excited to see where they go and where they take this. Uh, this past week, Cavaliers Arts Performance and Education has welcomed Robert Baker Hargrove in as our new CEO. And this is... This is really exciting to me because I think not even two, three weeks ago, uh, Daniel Belcher stepped in as the new core director. Um, and that was very cool to see as Daniel was my drum major in 2019. Um, I'm very excited for everybody who's on staff over there. There's so many people that I know that taught me. Um, Keith Ty being on the brass staff over there, he's also, shameless plug—he's been on the podcast. Go check that out. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, Daniel Belcher, Keith Ty, now adding in Robert Baker Hargrove, who has a ton of experience coming into this, We're, like. Like so much. I mean, there's a whole paragraph here coming from just overall his background. Um, Just going to see if I can find something here. Oh, perfect. They have it highlighted. I want to read this off real quick. Uh, Robert has been the recipient of several awards and accolades, including the Marquis Who's Who Champion of Progress for Q2 2022. Fortune Magazine 2022 Top Professionals. That's that's pretty cool. It's a
0: big deal. It is. That's a really big
3: deal. And and other humanitarian and business designations, Um, and then obviously he's coming out of Orlando, Florida. But yes, honestly, I I I think that's that's really cool right there. And it's interesting to see, like you know, with this CEO right here, and also with you know the new DCI CEO coming in. It looks like a lot of these groups are gearing more towards. Um, at least when I came up in the activity, it seemed like a lot of, and I've talked about this before, but, um, a lot of the activity has been run by like educators, passionate volunteers, stuff like that. And it's, it's very, it's very interesting to see this new business perspective coming in. Um, because I think that is, that's a big topic in the community is the fees, the financials of it all. So it's very interesting to see groups and you know, starting from the top down, seeing these groups bring in business minded people at the CEO position. I'm excited to see, um, you know, where the Cavaliers go with this and how they grow.
1: I agree. I think like normally in almost any other facet of life, I'm not the guy that's happy when like a real businessy person moves into like some education or public space type of position. Mm -hmm. But in a weird way, it feels to me like the activity could die if it doesn't figure out those things right that's why now i feel like i oddly enough am i'm really excited to see someone step in to like handle the administrative and like really 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 broad brushstrokes like Mm -hmm. aspects of these organizations and have that be someone that's not from the inside at all it's someone that actually has like developed a whole world of expertise that could be valuable that someone who is from the band world probably wouldn't have ever even developed in the first place. Like, you know, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but yeah. we all have a... pretty much devoted our lives to band.
3: Sorry, I didn't mean to you know, nah, you cut good. off at the end there, but I think that's, that's the biggest thing is there's been a lot of like uh, pushback whenever the news came out about the new CEO, people being like, I saw at least, people being like um, – you know, this guy, it's going to be the business model that runs it into the ground or whatever. I mean, I think somebody commented on my video with the CEO talking about like, you know, this is the exact thing that's going to run the activity into the ground. And, yeah. you know, people online being like, you know, we have a business guy who doesn't understand the activity at all. And I'm like, I feel like this is the thing that we need, because like <laughs> yeah. you said, Stephen, this activity is moving towards. I mean, I remember we were marching in 2018. It was the week in Texas where um, it was just so hot that shows were being delayed, yep. canceled. We did our our shows in our warm-ups and our warm ups, and we're sitting there. We have to take twenty minute breaks, like that was mandated by DCI that we had to take those. Mm-hmm. And when we're sitting underneath, we're like the way the formula of how this activity <laughs> runs. It's going to die if there's ever a summer off, and it's kind of crazy <laughs> how two summers later that happens, and yeah. then we see these who are struggling financially, yet. It's interesting to see people push back when you're bringing in these business minded people, because now bringing in people like that lets the band people do the band things and it allows Mm -hmm. for organization as a really good point. Yes. And it that's allows for those financial people to take care of the just the financials. They're not here to – like the CEO, Nathan Boudreaux, said it perfectly, that he's not here to teach band. He's not here to – you know what I'm saying? He has found an appreciation for the activity and he has dove in headfirst and has gotten himself acclimated with all of this. But he is here to take care of the, the financial mess that we are working with right now. And I, that's what makes me excited because that's the direction I feel like it should be going if we want to keep watching finals after finals after finals. So that's – yeah. That's that's just me.
0: Also, yeah. can somebody can fact check me on this, but I just heard that the new CEO is the only uh African American core director in DCI currently? You're probably right. We will fact check though.
3: I think you might be right.
0: Steven, what story uh what story do you want to bring up today?
4: Yeah,
1: I've got a uh this one's kind of fun, kind of lighthearted. We've got the uh, Green Mountain High School in Colorado. This band, uh, they recently rolled out a pet band for their basketball team, except this uh, pet band is entirely student run, directed, and operated. Um, in like a way that actually is like pretty kind of professional too. Like the student who's kind of taken the lead on it is very very interested in going to school for music uh, education and becoming a band director. So like that student is kind of almost developing or at least like living out some of the things they want to build a career in. Uh, but this is it, the on way, the job right
2: on the job training sort of speak. On the job
1: training, exactly in high school. It's almost like they're student teaching their own high school in a way. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Shout out to the Green Mountain Rambunctious Ram Band.
0: Nicole, what you got for us today?
4: Y'all always give me the (laughs) tearjerkers. Appreciate you for that. Um, So uh, uh, in Whitmere... Um, the name of the article just says Diane student gifts, school band uniforms as Alabama sits on 2.2 billion for education. So the way that this starts out, I'm, I'm going to zero more in on the student and what she did and then how that goes about, you know, with the other part of it. But, um, Melody Jackson, Jackson, uh, was a student at real town high school in, I want to say Tullapalooza County um alabama and she has uh something to teach all of us about having a common purpose she was in her high school's marching band and um her marching band does not have uniforms or hasn't had new uniforms in a very very long time and it showed so um she is terminally ill she had a cancer that was very aggressive and fast acting Mm. so She was offered a wish from the Make a Wish Foundation in Alabama, Um, so she if she had a chance to do something fun or just do something that would make her happy, and she chose to do something good instead. So she told the Make a Wish people that she didn't want a trip to Disney and she didn't want to like, you know, uh, she didn't want to visit from a celebrity. She wanted band uniforms for her high school's marching band.
3: Yeah. Wow. wow, that's amazing.
4: Um, so in and, 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 and the article, it just says that uh, she gave her dying wish away to her fellow students to cover the cost of something that should be a basic school expense. Um, <clears throat> um, and the more that it goes on in here, um, it just talks about how Alabama is not a poor state. Um, it is just the way that elected officials are choosing to spend their money. Yeah. Um, and it, when, when, you know, you dig through it even more, it's 2.2 2 billion. <laughs> there shouldn't be a reason why some of these kids don't have uniforms. It's not a huge deal. You know, it's not a big thing. And it, especially for, I've seen a lot of these, it's not like they have huge marching bands. It's. And they're not super tiny, but they're not like Texas size schools either, you know? So this is something that can actually happen. This is something that can actually be done. And uh they're hoping, or what the article says is that at 16 years old, Jackson is an inspiration to do better, and Alabama lawmakers should take her lesson to heart. So nice. What Call them if, out. Yeah. Exactly. They totally have. It um, so the Alabama had the money to buy ban uniforms or pay many other extraneous expenses that come along with running schools. They just didn't. Aww. So hopefully this is something that will, you know, inspire lawmakers to do more um, or even not do more, do better, use what you have and do it. Because right now, um, as outsiders looking in, like I don't live in Alabama, but, you know, from a lot of the things that I've been hearing before, it's like, oh, people in Alabama or those schools in Alabama need more help because they're not getting that money mm-hmm. from, you know, their uh, governing body of the state. It's mm. there. They need to get it. The beat. state
3: just doesn't want to give it to them, which is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's. Mm-hmm. uh I could go on for days about that because we had the same problems when I was going to school in uh, Missouri. And it's just, it's very frustrating to see. Um, It's very frustrating to hear.
4: Yeah. As currently as two twenty like 2022, Alabama collected more than it spent for education. Oh my God. It turned out it was 2.8 billion more. So now all of these uh, special interest groups are lining up at the trough. Governor Kay Ivey is more than willing to accommodate some of her favorites. Um, There was a 25 million um, proposed for Montgomery water park. um, And there is a hundred million for prison construction on top of um, a billion more already allocated to a general fund. So, all of this is being put back into the cities of Alabama. And honestly, with that $2.8 billion more that was not used towards schools, hopefully it will be now because of... I hope so, too. Yes, because of one person, uh, Melanie Jackson.
0: That's so sweet that she's really... She's using her own... Like, she could use this for her own benefit, whatever she wanted. You know, this yeah. is basically her dying wish, and she just wants to see it being used for the greater good.
2: I love that. What? A,
3: That's what a so feeling. sweet. That's so sweet.
0: Trish, what do you got for us?
2: So, I'm going to take us back to DCI a little bit. And, um, no complaints. The, <laughs> hello. The 2023 Open Class Champion uh, Spartans recently had an interesting connection. They performed with Symphony New Hampshire in a program that they um, entitled "Breast to the Max, um, which came through a connection. Their um, current core president, Paula Flam, um, is involved with this symphony or has been in the past, and he brought this whole idea to life. And what I thought was really cool about the concert was when the concert opens, they showed, before, before it started, they showed like a little video montage, like who are the Spartans? What have they done? You know, whatever, which I personally think was super smart for two reasons. One, you don't know who's sitting in that audience. It could be potential members or even in that symphony. If there were people in the symphony that were still of marching age, maybe they were interested in, you know, maybe that was a good recruiting tool for them. Number one. And number two You got potential donors sitting right there at that Mm -hmm. concert. I mean, how smart was that to do Mm -hmm. that whole montage about, here? you know, who we are, whatever. They played really recognizable titles, so it was really appealing to the audience. Just sounds like it was a really, really great, really great experience for everybody involved.
0: All right, everybody. Thank you so much for a great rehearsal this week. Thank you to our hosts, Stephen, Trish, Nicole, and Jeffrey. Where can we find you at if our guests want to follow you?
3: Um, You can find the Meet the Bus podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music. You can find us on TikTok, Instagram. Am I forgetting anything? I don't think so. You can find us basically everywhere and anywhere. Um, Absolutely follow the Instagram, the TikTok. Subscribe to YouTube. Watch the videos. We got clips from the bus. We got shorts. We got interviews. Um, We even have, I do a little thing called buy stops, where if I have like a week off, I don't do an interview. Kind of do something similar where we just like look into the marching arts, do some news. So just a little bit of that. But yeah, basically anywhere.
0: So at meet the bus guys make sure you go subscribe write us a review share this episode with a friend make sure you follow us on our social media at on a water break and we'll see you at the next rehearsal on
2: a water break
3: go practice the on a water break podcast was produced by jeremy williams and christine ream the intro and outro music was produced by josh lida to learn more visit lightamusic.com and until next time thanks for tuning in